this is Will Wheaton, and you're listening to Roll for Initiative. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Roll for initiative. Hello, folks, and welcome to the RFI Podcast, Roll for Initiative Podcast, issue number 27. I'm sitting here with my two co-hosts, Jason and Nick. Nick, how are you doing today in this uh, nice, cool weather we got so far? Hard, hard, nice and cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nice and cool, what, compared to the sun? (laughs) Uh, But I'm doing fine. Everything's doing okay. Hey, we got 70-degree weather here, almost lower than 70. It's like 68 right around here in Pennsylvania. Lucky. Is that a cold snap? (laughs) And uh, Jason is sitting here as always. Jason, how are you this week? Uh, Let's see. Hold on. I saved versus death magic. The heat doesn't affect me. Okay, great. Jason has saved. And as you heard the mysterious woman voice in the background, (gasps) a girl! We have Julie. Oh my goodness! (laughs) We have the infamous Julie Halverson from Writing Past and uh, Audio Drama Specialist. Julie, how are you? I'm doing fine. We've got it hot over here in Seattle for a few days. We can't whine, though, anymore. I mean, we never get heat. Yeah. You know, so for us, it's like, oh, it's 80 degrees. Oh, we're dying. But right now, it's 90 or something. <sighs> oh, yeah, that is hot for up there. Yeah, I don't know. Yes. People were uh, crying over there. Oh, it's so rainy and it's not hot. Now you got the hot weather. They're like, it's so hot. So, there yeah, you well, all our gills are all our <laughs> gills are starting to crust over. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> all right, let's get on to the topics at hand. Uh, RFIpodcast.com. We have a lot of activity going on there at the site, people commenting left and right. Uh, Jason, we were handling some problems with issue number seven. Some people were having problems with, and you resolved oh, that, right? Yeah. So I'll put a link up. Basically, th- there's always a little bit of a problem with something isn't playing right on the site or something. So yeah. you can go to rollforinitiative.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. It's short for Liberated Syndication, who hosts our uh, technical host. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll put the link up because if you ever have trouble getting one of the shows through us. They're all there. They're all archived. You can always go and download them directly from from that page. Yeah, so. you, you can click that basic vanilla. I think you put that icon yeah. up there on the right hand side. Yeah, and that, that'll take you there. So definitely, uh, they, they are all seven. available. But if anybody has a problem, I know Sieg had a little trouble with one of them. Just whatever you can do when you're emailing us, try to give us enough details that we can reproduce the problem because I breaks my heart if somebody can't hear a show and i sound sarcastic but i'm kind of serious so no it does we you know we, put, yeah. we i only sound sarcastic because i'm clo- so close to brooklyn and everything i say comes out sarcastic and uh <laughs> i'd also like to take a moment to we'd introduce our uh producer on the show sitting in the background quietly matt if he wants to unmute himself and say hello he'll be handling some technical work in the background for us and we want to give credit where credit is due right jason yeah, so this is our first time having a real proper producer. So hopefully our uh, <laughs> it'll our, our our show quality will improve notably from from these times when I've been handling the producer duties. So uh, thank you, Matt. I don't know. Are you are you on oh, right now? I am on right now. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be aboard. So let's make this a great show. Definitely. Okay, and uh, get that man a T-shirt. Oh wait, <laughs> <a> t-shirt. <laughs> he has a T-shirt. 
Um, That's right. <laughs> I, I thought I thought that was the uniform for all gamers. Any no, T-shirt. Any oh, you want a specific T-shirt? t-shirt. Yeah. It, well, well I, yeah. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> um, articles. From what I was seeing on the website, I know DM Ron, or Ronald, I'm not going to say his last name because he didn't give me permission to, but he was writing an article about Vecna's history, and it's in the yeah, draft mode know. right now. So uh, Okay, yeah, it's almost up. Yeah. Um, so we, we've got a lot of good things because we we've got Ron putting up some new stuff, and then we have Bill putting up the uh, tetrahedral. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh, but I just remembered the old head of Vecna. <laughs> oh, <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> the nights at the dinner table, yes. <laughs> I'll shut up. I, I give you my laughter. Everybody's oh. going to think they're listening to Car Talk. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Yeah, so we've got PC Buzz has a really cool new world up here called Tetrahedral. So yeah. you've seen flat worlds and you've seen round worlds. Have you ever seen a four-sided world? So that's up now. And, uh, yeah, the Vecna stuff is going to be going up. And, of course, we have the latest plus two to save, which is, damn it, DM, I'm a cleric, not a first aid kit. Damn it, so, Jim. Yeah, yeah, so really good things. And, of course, you can go on to the site right now and click on the uh, Gen Con Special Dispatches. There are 15 mini-podcasts up yeah. there that you can pull down one at a time or just listen to all in a row uh, if you use the little flash player that's embedded. They should be showing up in your feed. So if they're not showing up on your iPod or your Zune or whatever it is that you uh, catch podcasts with, maybe your Droid, uh, then you can you know, follow the instructions we gave you before. But 15 little <laughs> mini-podcasts all recorded live at Gen Con just to you know, give everybody a little flavor of the show if they didn't get a chance to go, or to relive it if they did. Yeah, definitely. You can listen to Jason tricking me into getting jailed almost. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's good to listen to on the way up the elevator to work. There you go. De- yeah, definitely. don't have time for an entire commute? Try one of our mini-podcasts. There you go. There we go. Sounds and zero perfect. trans fats. Oh, boy. Anyway, <laughs> pimping for stars. Nick, you said we you took a peek over there, and we have two new reviews with stars. Yes, I do over there at iTunes, uh, where um, I uh, took a quick peek, and we had uh, two new reviews. Really? Uh, uh, earlier this week, um, one from Get to Joe, <laughs> and he gave us... Uh, five stars and he said fun and informative and he says great podcast reminds me of how much fun D&D was has got me back in the gaming with pencil and paper and off the PC excellent oh. awesome way to go I Joe like that. yes and um, we got one from lion 9492 and he says well done another five stars and when he says this is an ex- this is an excellent podcast covering first edition D&D, I'm really impressed with the enthusiasm, professionalism and recording quality of this podcast. Who is he listening to? I was going to say he must be listening to the wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, you know, people check Ready the name of the show before you <laughs> Hey, I'm professional, all right, pal. A professional what? <laughs> we can't say that because this is a G-rated podcast, <laughs> right? Is, oh well, yeah, PG thirteen, whatever it may be. Uh, but yeah, those are off iTunes. Um, and you know what? We—I uh, don't know if we mentioned it earlier, but Jason, didn't you post over on the uh, Facebook page that just a couple of weeks ago we had over twenty thousand downloads? We, uh, yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago. We have actually just—I was going to mention this. Thanks you for reminding me. We've now hit oh, thirty. Nice we have just hit thirty thousand. 
Wow. No. Yeah, it, it sh- well, Gen Con was a big boost. You know, a lot of people, we were handing out the flyers to people. Not officially. <laughs> we weren't breaking any Gen Con rules. Well, we weren't flyering. Well. But we did put them in a few people's hands. Yeah. So I... Uh, and I kind of... If, if they asked, right? No. Yeah. No. If, yeah. You check them up, then they say, hey, did you have a flyer? And you go, I might have one around here somewhere. Yeah, here's a hundred. Yeah, I I, I kind of <laughs> was by the Lego booth over there, Jason, and the you know, the nice cool area. I kept kind of leaving flyers on that table. So cool. Oh, I was trying to give you plausible deniability in case the Gen Con uh, organizers are looking to get you. I don't care. Let them try to get me. They can't find me. <laughs> well, speaking of cons, uh, I wanted to give you guys. Well, actually, not not just you guys who are here on the show, but this is something I want to kind of put out to all of our listeners. Okay. So we met a great bunch of guys. Last year at Gen Con, in 2009, I met these guys that run the Dead Game Society. Yes. And uh, yes. Then, then we got to meet them this year. Vince, you got a chance to hang out with everybody. Great bunch of guys. Great bunch of guys. Really great. So what they do is they're dedicated to the preservation of out-of-print games, making sure that they get played at conventions, that people learn them, enjoy them, and have a good time with them and all that kind of stuff. So... Now, of course, we're going to have them on the show sometime in the near future, and we're going to be doing a lot with each other because we're you know, kindred spirits and all that. We, but yeah. uh, I've been talking with Michael and uh, Chad and Colin and John and all the guys over there. Uh, this isn't decided yet, but we're considering putting on a very small convention next year. So uh, this is kind of my straw poll, because if we're going to do something like that, we need to find out if people are interested in going. Yeah. So here's the idea. Dead Gamer Society convention or something? Uh, not quite. Actually, it's the idea. This is an idea that I had back in the '90s with my friend Wombat, and we never got around to doing it. You so, had a friend uh, named Wombat. Don't ask. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> anyways, this, Hi, Wombat. the convention is called Low Tech Con, and it's dedicated to all things low tech. So here's the idea. It's going to be small. You know, probably 250, 300 people. Probably held here in New York, maybe in Brooklyn. We could even go up to, say, Stamford, Connecticut, if it's, you know, if it's easier for people, that kind of thing. Uh, and it's going to be a combination of things. So on the one hand, it's going to be out-of-print games. So anybody that wants to run a game at the con, as long as it's out-of-print, you can run it. So whether it's first edition Traveler, old AD&D, you know, first edition Gamma World... You know, even second or third edition Gamma World, anything like that. If you want to run it, if it's out of print, you can come and run it. Uh, the other thing, it's actually... Whispering oh, Vault, Slay Industries. Oops, sorry. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chill. You're getting, no, no, jump in with this stuff. You're getting Cold. it. Uh, the other thing, <laughs> we'll also have computer and video games pre-1985. Oh, so geez. that means any video game that came out before the NES... And any computer game that came out before the introduction of the Macintosh. Yes, so my that means Atom 12 Apple can come out. Which one? My Atom computer can come out of the closet now. Totally can come out. The Atom computer, your ColecoVision. Oh, uh, yes. ColecoVision, oh my god. TI-99, 4A, Commodore 64. Intellivision. <laughs> Intellivision. Uh, no, not the Sega Saturn. That's too late. Um, Vectrex. You name it. Any of those kind of things. Also... There will be movie screenings continuously, so any fil- any of the old good old films like the first Conan or Fantastic Planet, Heavy Metal, any of that great old stuff. Um, so it's going to be a combination of all those things, just a celebration of low tech, 
The one exception is, that I'm considering is allowing independent game publishers, especially people doing retro clones that have something that they're selling new, to run things at the con also, because I think that kind of keeps the spirit alive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, like I say, this is an idea right now. It, I've priced out a couple of convention centers, you know, hotels that have really big rooms for convention stuff. I've got some ideas about dates, but it really has a lot to do with hearing whether people think that's something they'd want to go to or not. So that's what we'd like to hear from people. If you think, you know, if, if, if you think you'd be willing to come out to New York or if you're already in New York, let us know. Or Connecticut. Um, we're thinking it could probably be like about twenty twenty five bucks would probably cover the expenses for each person. That's reasonable. So, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I don't know. We're thinking maybe in November of two thousand eleven. So please mm. let us know if you think it's a good idea. We'll start putting some straw polls up and looking for what people would look for at a convention like that. I already know the name. What's that? Retro. I already know the name. Retrocon. And it's Low Tech Con. Yeah. Yeah. No, or it's low called Low Tech Con. It's called Low Tech Con. No, so, it's Retro. Uh, Oh boy, let's not argue over the name here. <laughs> it takes a lot of work. You to... could put up a poll. We have get people no, to no, vote. No, no, the name is not a democracy. The name is Low Tech Con. But okay, Jason uh, has spoken. He <laughs> is the things the... you want to see there. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, because retro, you know, kind of uh, implies an idea of nostalgia and only things that are old and people getting too maudlin about things. I'd rather people just think of it as low tech. So okay. that's the that's idea. Cool. Please let us know what you think of that. Um, if you'd like to go, um, if you think it's a terrible idea, don't hesitate to say you suck. Don't even do it. I'll get I'll get you if you do it. Don't do it. So let us know. <laughs> and if you need an address, I, I'll give it to you for Jason. Quick comment on retro. I have a friend who I used to LARP with, you know, and she's an older lady. And she uh, turned to a friend one day who was about retro who's all like oh retro this retro that and my friend pat turned to her and said if you hate retro so much why'd you get a facelift (laughs) burn good one (laughs) yeah hey you know uh jason i'm just thinking you know worst case if we can't do something you know as separate as a con who's to say we can't you know maybe approach the folks with gary con and do something in conjunction with them you know well, Gary Con, absolutely. We're going to be at Gary. At least I'll be at Gary Con. I don't know who else is going. No, I got, hope I, to go. I've got my hotel reservations. I've pre-registered. I got my T-shirt. I'm set. So yeah, you'll be uh, uh, running some games for uh, Dead Game Society, won't you? Yeah, I'll be running some first edition AD and D, and I'm considering trying a couple of other games at Gary Con. Also, I have Amoeba Wars, so I might bring that. I also have a good Steve Jackson game called Starfist. It's sort of a um, tabletop take on the old Star Castle video game, but as, as like a tabletop space game. So we'll see. Yeah. Might even is run that, Gamma World. Is that one of the little tiny black box games? Uh, no, Starfist Steve is, Jackson? Yeah, it is a boxed game, um, and it's got, you know, the black hexagon map and the counters and everything like that. Oh, cool. if, I, if I run it at the con, I'll make a, uh, I'll make a bigger map, and I'll, and I'll bring it with miniatures if I do that. Well, all right. Well, email us, rfistaff at gmail.com, or you can uh, hit us up on the Dragon's Foot forums. We're always lurking around. i got to give you a lot of credit for trying to design a con, Jason, and, and running it. I helped out with the local con that we have here, and it has, you know, one to 200 people that come usually, and it's a lot of work, dude. <laughs> a lot That's why of I'm work. saying it's not set in stone yet. All I've done is start pricing things. I reserve the right to back out and chicken out Anytime in the next couple of months. Oh, boy. Good disclaimer. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Okay. <laughs> in which case, we will put all the burden on Nick, and it will be Nick Con. 
Yeah, hey, 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 whoa, 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 D. All right. Oh, all right. <laughs> Let's move on. As you've been hearing all the giggle and laughing in the background, <laughs> we have Julie with us this week. <laughs> Julie, why don't you step up on the platform, on the soapbox, and tell us a little bit about your gaming career and uh, what you do right now. Well, I've been gaming for <laughs> years. What was that? I'm uh, I sorry? started with the blue box. Okay, you know, way back before the red and pink box came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually have a white box somewhere, but that was I bought that much later. Don't um, say somewhere. <laughs> you you hope you know where it is if you have a white box. You don't want to just say it's somewhere. Yeah, really. Well, I don't want anybody knowing where it is. Right, okay, okay. <laughs> oh. oh, well. That- there you go. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Many, many places. Um, no, the, uh, I, you know, did D&D for a long time. Actually, I remember actually from summer camp emailing, not emailing, sending my mother a postcard <laughs> saying, send my AD&D books. I found people who want to play with me. You nice. know, um, <laughs> yeah, I still, well, I remember opening up the, the original box, the, the blue box and reading the rules like four times going, where is the board? Because <laughs> I had to teach myself. I didn't have anybody to learn from. We didn't oh, know wow. what this was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I hate to say it, but even now, but more even back then, you know, it's hard to find guys who will who will play with girls at that age. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at early ages, you're like, uh, yeah. But yeah, so after a while, though, I got sick and tired of the guys I was playing with. And I started, actually, I moved over to doing more modern day horror games. I was going to buy Call of Cthulhu, but it was $2 too expensive for the money I had in hand, so I bought <laughs> Chill, and I learned how to do that instead. And then later actually had, a, when Paysetter crashed and then Mayfair took it over, Mayfair, one of their published supplements for it has a scenario I wrote in it. Oh. Which one? So, uh, it's in the, oh, Lord. It was Haunted New England, but I, it had some really weird title for the book. But mm-hmm. my scenario... Uh, Oh, you're quizzing me on stuff. It's so old. Oh, it's-, it's a great scenario. And my friend and I sat down a road. I, I, it's um, Beth Death's Head Island. Okay. And uh, it was inspired by Oak Island. You know, it's an Oak Island oh. type scenario. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like, don't know yeah. what Oak the, Island means. That's the, the whole money pit treasure uh, yeah. legend, right? Yeah. The pirate uh, oh. pirate treasure. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I read about that when I was a little kid in one of those great big, like, strange, amazing facts kind of books. Yeah. yeah I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah, well, part of, part of what we were doing when we wrote, my friend Steve and I, when we wrote the scenario was we wanted to take one of the stupidest creatures in the chill monster guide and try and explain it. Wow. Now <laughs> try to give it a background that made sense. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, but it worked, and it actually turned into one that we got published. I've also been published in, in a Whispering Vault supplement. Um, I'm credited as the, as the this is a dubious credit, um, the Mythos creator for the Tales from the Crypt role playing game. Really? Um, credit? Yeah. That's a good credit. Well, this was, you know, th- that was put out by the Masterbook stuff. Mm-hmm. And I figure it's long ago enough that I'm not telling tales out of school. If I say I was talking to Greg on the phone, because I had got, I, I, I published Serendipity Circle, which was a fanzine. It was really well received. We were nominated for the Origins Award several wow. times. 
Um, yeah. We got through 20 issues. Yeah, and it was in support of weird uh, weird fantasy and horror games because we I, I looked around and there were so many things supporting the general any part of the fantasy genre there were so many things supporting space but there was nobody really doing anything except for specifically call of cthulhu mm-hmm. and so that's why i started a fanzine because this was i i like the weird games you know so i got out into this and one of their games was from the master book was blood shadows which was sort of night 40s film noir with magic I thought that was kind of cool. You know, I got corresponding with them about that, looking into maybe writing for them. And one day we're on the phone and he says to me, don't tell anybody, but we got the rights to Tales from the Crypt for a role-playing game. Hmm. And I was trying to think of a polite way to say, what a dumb idea. (laughs) 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 Because... And, and I, but I'm, I'm all like, oh, well, hmm, that's an interesting idea. Well, maybe, you know. But the problem with Tales from the Crypt is that every episode has one main character who's a butt and gets <laughs> killed in an ironic manner. How do you incorporate that into any kind of campaign? <laughs> Not to mention any kind of group game. I said, maybe you could, maybe you could quantum leap the characters into the bodies around the central character at the scene of the story, and they have to complete the story. And he's like, "That's a cool idea. I'll use it." There, nice. You see, so, that's an awesome. That's an awesome idea. Yeah. So for all that, it's sort of a silly concept. I love the idea of, of you know, it's and and the characters that people are given as generic templates. If you start with that, are your standard central characters. It's like the grasping lawyer and the black widow and the chicken-hearted guy. But, so they're, they're sort of your standard non-hero characters that you get in Tales from the Crypt, and right. uh, but they're dumped into to bodies at the site, and they don't know who they are, so they're like suddenly find themselves, like in the sample story that's in the book, um, in the original book, they're dumped into circus performers in the middle of their act, so one of them suddenly finds himself on a high wire. <laughs> and... <God>. Um, <laughs> And in the sample scenario I wrote up and handed out at one Gen Con um, for, for, in conjunction with them, um, they're dropped into the bodies of poodles. <laughs> wow. It's called, it's called Look Who's Screaming Now. Nice. Oh, that's, wow. That's totally true to the spirit. I love it. It it was beautiful. So yeah, it's and I also have a photography credit in a game called Little Fears because hmm. it's a game where you play small children dealing with boogeymen and stuff. You know, I think oh. I heard of that game. Yeah, it's it's been recently. I think they've been refurbishing it recently and going to put it out again yeah. or something. I don't I don't keep track as much as I should. I have to admit it's been a while since I've really followed a lot of stuff because I just haven't had a group to play with. And the magazine got to be way too much work because nobody ever wrote anything but me. Yeah. But um, mm. but in Little Fears, I, I you know another this is another one I was corresponding with them, and I said, yeah, we even have an, a nine year old in our group who's playing with us now, and he's like, really? Would she be interested in being in the book? Mm. <laughs> he says, because I I don't know anybody with kids that age, and it's not like you can walk up to people at the playground and go, can I take <laughs> some pictures of your daughter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a definite creepy factor involved with that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's some great pictures of Beverly in the original rules book, and she's now you know at college, and she's uh, one of the actors in my audio dramas, which is what I'm doing now. I've taken my experience writing game scenarios and actually, you know, a four hour game scenario for a convention, the same amount of plotting that you need for that 
makes almost perfectly a two-hour movie. Yeah. Because ultimately, ultimately I've, I've worked on writing screenplays, and then as I, as I realize that I don't have that pit bull go to Hollywood and you know, chase people down and make scripts, put scripts in their faces you know, mentality, I was like, ah, I'm never going to do this. I'm, so I'm gonna, instead, I'm going to turn around and write audio dramas, which is something I can actually finish. Mm-hmm. actually put out so i've been putting out 19 nocturne boulevard which is sort of a twilight zone anthology show and for anybody who's interested in trying it out try the episode exit strategy it's about a group of gamers on their way to a gaming convention <laughs> and it all, um, oh it's really they have to use their gamer skills to to survive a, a criminals that they run into and yes. Yes. Oh, no. There's nothing like when the one guy, the LARPer, comes back and he's like, I have returned and I have a prize. And they're like, you don't think they're going to notice that you stole their license plate? Oh, they'll have other (laughs) things on their mind. And they're like, what did you do? I hobbled their horses. And the one non-gamer who's like the driver is like, what? And the the guy's girlfriend is like, he slashed their tires. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) that you're involved with the audio dramas. I always thought that they were fascinating because I remember when they had... Uh, they made the the first Star Wars film into an audio drama. It was on um, oh the BBC, yeah NPR, yeah because it was it's, on uh, yeah back in the day. I remember listening to that <laughs> when uh, there was like a s- terrible snowstorm outside, and it happened to be on the radio. And it was just fantastic, and that's just another thing you can really dig the audio dramas. Yeah, it's, it's something that I wish was more on the radio still. So it's nice to be able to at least go and grab them on the podcasts and. And have them for that. Especially, you know, I like to take long drives. You know, I like to drive when I go to a convention or when or when I go yeah. anywhere. So it's nice to actually have that. You know what I like listening into the car while I'm doing a long drive? What's that? The Ooh. RFI podcast. Ooh, cheap plug, cheap <laughs> oh, plug. Yeah, I've heard of those guys. <laughs> yeah, Julie. Um, so, so for the for the um, 19 Nocturne Boulevard, do uh-huh. you have? Do you have other people submitting stories and or volunteering to, to get involved with doing the readings and those type of things? How does that go? We, I, I don't take submissions simply because I've got so many scripts and I really consider it sort of my writing resume. Yeah. Okay, so these and are I've all actually, your They're all my stories, although I do adapt from some classics. I've got some Lovecraft episodes. I've got oh, some... Cool. Um, I've got a very strange Poe story coming up. It's like it's it's an it's a story from Poe that I've modernized into a frat house revenge film from the nineteen seventies. <laughs> cool. And hey, orangutans were big in the seventies. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. There you go. I know which one you're talking about now. That's sweet. Well, oh, you might not. It's not murders in the Rue Morgue. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, you got me. No? It, it was the man <laughs> called Uncle. Yeah, that was it. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's Hop Frog. Oh, Hop Frog. Yes. I, I have to admit, I don't know it. I'm f- I'm from Baltimore. I should know these things, but, but no, <laughs> nah, there's not a pop quiz. But there's actually a really big community out here doing audio dramas. So yeah, the, I, I do take. I do. I'm always looking for new voices. That's cool. I love working with new people. Um, we get a lot of stuff where a lot of what I do, I have people recording themselves and then sending in the track. Then I assemble them, right. which is quite a chore. Mm-hmm. But I mean, see, and, and doing voices and doing acting is also directly coming out of my role playing background. Especially as the GM, I've always been the one who had to play sixteen characters during the game when everyone else had their just their one. 
Right. So You'll be hearing from me very soon is... then, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Hey, you know, I need some I need some frat yeah. boys to kill. Now, and... <laughs> wow. I've seen, yeah, but, I've seen a um, lot of your uh, your posts and your and your work on the uh, the voice acting club uh, post forums and uh, uh, voice acting. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's oh, there's I, there's a lot of different places, and unfortunately, I don't keep up with anything except audio drama talk as much as I should. Yeah, I've seen you know, I, I go some places and then I post stuff, and then like somehow something distracts me, and I totally forget. Yeah, I've what seen I a lot said. a lot of your posts and a lot of things that you've done. You do some excellent work. I was. Uh, auditioning for one of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic books things and I got a role in that one mm. so nice great yeah. not, well, I'm not cool. doing Buffy or anything like that so you know. you're not Buffy no I'm not Buffy but I could try uh. Buffy but <laughs> that was bad <laughs> wait is this up somewhere yeah. that we can hear it the, no it's, it hasn't been published yet they're, uh, they're in the process of doing it I'm playing uh, it- one of the evil bad guys right now so Excellent. It takes a surprising amount of time cool. to a put lot. each episode together. I actually have three series running. 19 Nocturne is like my flagship. Well, I have two serials. One is called Bingo the Birthday Clown. and, and <laughs> is That's kind scary of, already. Is kind of, yeah. It's kind of inexplicable. It's sort of like if a 50s kids show and the prisoner had a thalidomide baby. Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah, that's totally how scary I was expecting it to be. Okay. Uh, actually, <laughs> it's just strange. And then my other series is a Western called The Dead oh, Eye yeah. Kid. Yes. Cool. And The Dead Eye Kid is, it's a Western with a very slight twist. It's mostly a Western. And I actually, it actually has a huge fan base already because I think the Western fans out there just don't get a lot of options. <laughs> but, You're absolutely um, right on that. They don't. And but it's it's basically a western, but the it's about a gunslinger who's trying to mend his ways and you know make up for the bad he's done. But the only real difference is that he can talk to ghosts. Very cool. Cool. So transitioning into our, our next little segment here, uh, Jason, you had recorded an interview. Oh, so oh, yeah. May I say uh, one more thing? I'm sorry. Please do. Please I'm sorry. Do. I almost forgot the big huge news, which mm-hmm. is that of course now that I've given up on doing the screenplays one of mine got picked up and it's going to be made into an indie film uh, yeah, nice yeah congratulations and again like i said i my plotting and all of those skills that i've picked up from role playing people are I, the reason i justify it that way is so many people all my life have said well this is never gonna get you a job <laughs> <laughs> you knew rosanna rosanna dana is that what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> So you know oh, how to find Lord. and remove traps and all that? Wait, wait, wait. Save that for the future. Save that yeah, for okay. afterwards. So, so okay. Jason, uh, step us, lead us into this uh, segment that you had created. Oh, right, right, right. So um, when we were at Gen Con a couple of weeks ago, we had the good fortune to run into Jim and Debbie from Gamer's Rule. And they have been putting out some amazing books lately. They put out the dungeon decks, first of all, that Nick uh, was talking about a few weeks ago. Yeah, they're really cool stuff. Nice people, too. And which, of course, we've had a little experience with here on the show since, Nick, you ran us through a creature feature using the dungeon decks. Yep, and um, I'll be doing it again today. They also put out a lot of other uh, great little accessories, I guess, such as the uh, the Tome of Runes, which I'm holding in my hands here. If you've ever needed a good runic alphabet to uh, put in front of your f- players, they have... A nice big book of different uh, runes that you can that you can make up some nice, very real-looking uh, alphabets with. But the thing I was most excited about 
is they are now up to volume three of the un- ultimate unofficial collector's guide to D&D. So uh, you've got now three volumes of this available that goes into a lot of detail, and we talk about it in the interview. But um, these are things that anybody, whether you're a collector or just trying to find out what something is or you just like looking through these things, they, they can be a, a ton of fun to look at. So uh, why don't we give a listen to uh, that interview? It's the last day of Gen Con. My voice is terrible, and I'm here with Jim and Debbie from Gamers Rule. Hello. And so this is the book that we were talking about on the show. This is the third edition, or the third volume of the uh, Collector's Guide to D&D. Ultimate unofficial Collector's Guide to Dungeons and Dragons. And this is the one that we really care about at Roll for Initiative because it's the advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition. So tell me a little bit about what's in it and how you guys got everything and everything else. Well, um, mostly what's in it is uh, we talk about the different um, layout. Well, let Debbie tell you about the layout, but everything in there basically came out of our collection with some of the other people who have given us some photographs and um, scans. When I ran the numbers on this particular volume, I think 96 to 97% of the products that are in here came from our personal collection. Wow. Um, And the reason we started the Ultimate Unofficial Collector's Guide to D&D was we started going about eight years ago okay, what are we missing from our collection? We're big collectors. He's been playing since 74. Yeah. Um, when a lot of your listeners weren't even around. <laughs> uh, they hadn't been born yet. Yeah, they were so. <laughs> get off my lawn. Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Take your magic cards and get off my lawn. (laughs) Magic, when I was a kid, they were carved on rocks. Oh, God. Um, Guys, we just had to get a hedgehog and throw him at somebody, and whichever direction that person fell was the number. If it stuck in their back, that was a natural 20. (laughs) It is definitely Sunday. It's definitely been a long convention. Um, But we started looking for a list of what was out there, what we were missing from our collection. When we couldn't find it, I started gathering bits and pieces here and there and waited for somebody else to put out one list in print. No one did, so about a year and a half ago, we went, fine, we'll do it. And uh, that's where the Ultimate Unofficial Collector's Guide came from. Uh, What's actually in it is all of the rule books, all of the adventures, all of the supplements that came out for Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 1st First First edition. edition that are not specific to a setting. It's got basically oh, two different... Okay. You have two, two different uh, areas. Your first area tells you about the product or about what it was, and I also have little comments in there, what I think of it. The back part actually gives you the collector's list, which has the different printings and everything for you to check off. So in the first part, you've got the name of it, the artists, the writer, the levels, if it's a a module, how many pages, the ISBN, the copyright date. And if it's a box set, it's got the content list. Mm -hmm. And I was actually about to ask you if you'd already printed it here on the checklist in the back. You give people permission to Xerox the checklist so they don't mess up their book. Exactly. 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 And some people want to write it in their book. Some people don't. Mm -hmm. They can buy two books, have one for checking off and one for not. That's a good way to go. That's a good way. But uh, in I actually the, still do that with my old Dragon magazines. I have one for reading and one for keeping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've actually got a lot of our books are that way as well, where we've got one copy that sits up in the plastic on the shelf, mm-hmm. and then one that we got that isn't in good condition. Mm-hmm. 
that we use for reference. So here's a good example. Like we look at the White Plume Mountain entry. So you've got the two different uh, versions that came out and some little notes about it. You want to just like read the notes and explain how this is set up? Okay. What it has, it's first got the name, White Plume Mountain, the series ID. So it says S2. It also has that official item number 9027, the ISBN, the original price. And because this one has two different covers, one didn't have a price on it when it was first published. Mm -hmm. um, it shows you that the author was Lawrence Schick, the levels, the cover art, and it's, again, two different artists. It has both listed. There's a list of the interior artists, but in order to make it fit, mm -hmm. there's numbers here in the back is a list of the artists that right, gives you the right. reference. It's like solving a puzzle. <laughs> um, it'll tell you the copyright dates and actually the company name. Uh, TSR Games had the copyright on the first one, TSR Hobbies, Inc., Mm -hmm. and the copyright in the second. And you've even got the logos pulled out beneath so you can see that more. Right. That's actually what got me into starting to collect. Was. I looked at the books, I saw the different logos, and I started, ooh, look, here's a wizard logo. i got to mm -hmm. have one of those books. <laughs> yeah, and this one actually, the first one had the wizard's logo, but then it was re-released with the silver uh, edition mm -hmm. logo on yeah, the first artwork. Oh, okay, I was just saying, I don't even recognize that. Yeah, yeah, Wizards of the Coast did that in a collector's box set. Oh, okay, because I never saw those, okay. Yep, and then there was the one with the, the face or the moon, or what I've done is at the beginning of the book, I've shown all the logos and the phrasing that we use to refer to them. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've tried to uh, use the ones that make the most logical sense. And then what I like is really fun is you even have your little personal notes. Uh, one of my all-time favorite handouts is the hand calligraphied poem on the last page of this adventure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've actually, I'm, he's handed that to me. Yeah, those, those basically are what I like about it, what I dislike about it, what I thought was cool, that kind of stuff. And that gives you, it tells you how many panels on the cover, what's inside or on the cover, mm -hmm. um, and then the synopsis from the back. And then also you've got um, sort of scattered throughout some uh, things that are not in the regular row. Oh, yeah, just like the uh, iconic um, Red Demon from the uh, Player's Handbook one, yep. how many times it's appeared and who's used that, that picture and such. Yeah, so this one, for example, even though this uh, picture of the D&D &D Player's Handbook 2 is not from this grouping, you just no, put it in to show... Yeah, exactly, that how many times. Cause this, this is one of the most notable pictures that... Uh, has ever been done on a book. Mm -hmm. Everyone recognizes it. Yeah, actually, you know, since our listeners can't see, we should describe which picture we're talking oh, about okay. from the player's handbook. The, uh, That's the idol with the thief trying to take yeah, the gem. With Gary Gygax on the back of the book, mm -hmm. and uh, in the front you have the guy trying to take the gem, and he never gets the gem, because everybody always sees it in all the different ones, like the 30th anniversary poster, he's still trying to get the gem. <laughs> uh, here, he's still trying to get the gem. That's player's handbook. Two mm -hmm. from uh, third edition. Hackmaster, which we love. Yeah, Hackmaster is another one there. Well, they just slaughtered everybody, but he's still trying <laughs> to get the gem. Actually, gave up on gem and trying to kill uh -huh. somebody. I don't know what Dork Covenant is. Uh, that's um. Is it Dorkness the... Rising? Yes. It, okay. It's, exactly. Um, a comic. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, well, Kenzer Co, right? He knows, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. With the Game Store Chronicles and all mm -hmm. that stuff in there, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, TSR even spoofed it themselves on their the mail, mail order, order hobby, hobby shop. shop. Yep, and there's my scan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's that my was... contribution yes. to the book. Yes, and is. Otherworld Miniatures actually makes a miniature of it, and uh, one of the people on the uh, CM, uh, KM, wow. depending on how you, uh -huh. who you talk to, that. painted that up to look like the cover. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So. I haven't looked all over for the uh, scan of the hobby show, the mail order hobby shop uh -huh. one. I mean, not the scan, but I mean the actual one. I can't find it. Oh, anymore. you know what's terrible? They've, I found someone who has it here right now. Oh, you I, I can take you to him. He, he, it's um. Oh, we'll I don't go, have a we'll in my we'll go. bag, okay. but trust me, there's so many. He had, well, there's one module in there that he was selling. It was a tournament one that was worth about thirty 
Oh, I think I know that he actually has. We know him. Yeah, I bought an, a record album off. Really nice guy, yeah. but he has he has several of these, so we'll get awesome, down. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, so this actually, the first uh, Quest album, mm-hmm. oh, which is you just went past one of my other favorite little this this ad right here. Oh yeah, yeah, that was one of my favorites From a too. Dusty yeah. Tomes, that I, I don't really use Unearthed Arcana at all, or you know, except for a couple of things. But the, I love the artwork. Yeah, the it. artwork was awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, his comment, Jim's comment. I've always thought that the wizard. I'm reading upside down. Wizard in this picture was the perfect mystical type. It's a little creepy. Mm -hmm. See, you got to remember now. You're on a podcast. You don't have to (laughs) hold the book straight for everyone to see it. For her to read it. He was was looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I like it because I've actually collected all the old ads and everything. I'm I'm a pack rat. When Mm -hmm. you're down there, I see promotional stuff. I get it. Oh no, I actually have this ad at home too because one of my magazines fell apart. (laughs) There you go. This wizard always reminds me of the the uh, wizards from uh, Facing the Frost from that book. Oh yeah. 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 That's how I think of that. Them, you know, just yeah, definitely, definitely. Perfect. Um, but there was what I was looking at the first I Quest just album. Oh yeah, I oh you bought it? Got that. Yep. Yes, Good I did. because I saw it down there. I was like somebody who appreciates oh, yeah. this. Oh yeah, I looked at that and I went. Yep, it's ours. It's sitting in. Did our you hotel buy the room. wallet? No, no, didn't buy the wallet. Oh, it's only we've, twenty bucks. Or yeah, no, I, I, I debated it, but I have to. In order to I have to close myself off. It has to be gaming related. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'll have to. It much. was 1983, though. It was like proper old. Oh, no, it's, right, it's, right. it's but, but like... what you have to understand this particular item, the first quest, has an adventure inside. So I can just. Oh, the album, it. yeah. The album oh, has right. it, so. It actually has yeah. one of the oddest ones I've ever run across. So I can find it. Yeah. So this book? is so this is the third book, and the first two cover. The first one was the uh, original, so chainmail, the the wood box. Um, and basic, mm-hmm. which all the way through the end of basic, where it overlapped with AD and D. Oh right, that's I saw the this. oddest one I've ever seen. I can't figure out where it came from. So just to describe it to people who are listening, it just looks like a it's blue. A, it's a blue bound monster manual. There's mm-hmm. no no um, art on it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. On the spine it says Advanced Dungeon Dragons Gygax Monster mm-hmm. Manual. Which is it. strange because if it was like a, a a printer's proof or you know a, a preview, it would it wouldn't be hardbacked. No, no, it wouldn't. And it is also a diff- slightly different it's slightly size. Different. It's a little the bit smaller. The pages are a different yeah. size, not just the cover. How did you come across it? I found it on eBay. Uh huh. Actually, and uh, the guy on eBay had no idea. He went to uh, some online sources. I think it was the. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, and they weren't sure either what it was. Mm-hmm. And I saw it and I went. Bid on it, and yeah. I talked to the guy, and he goes, yeah, he picked it up inside the yard sale, and he had no idea what it was. Bizarre. So now it could be a library rebinding, but that being the case, it would cost more to do the rebinding than yeah. to buy a whole new that's book. What a, that's what a printer friend of mine said. Yeah. Bizarre. Well, yeah. maybe, why would they maybe when someone knows about it, please let me know. Yeah, did you go to the uh, to the guys over at the auction and ask them if anybody there knew, like Tim Cass or, or Frank Metz or any of them? Didn't have a chance to, not this uh, time. Not well, this time. We just got it in between well, the bring two bring it dimensions. to GaryCon. Bring it to GaryCon, because I'm sure somebody at GaryCon will have an idea. We should that's do actually, that. That's actually a very good yeah. idea, yeah. So okay. is, there going, so the, is there going to be a fourth book? Are you going to continue doing Number Collector's Number four guides? is Forgotten Realms. Okay. Number five is Second Edition. Six... Seven, eight are the settings. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do the uh, miniatures. Oh, wow. Well, you, when we you say you're going to do the miniatures, the which ones are you going to We're going to go right on from all lead, right on up to the uh, pre-painted. But I mean up from which companies? Anything uh, that's any, anybody licensed. That anything was licensed for Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, okay, but not necessarily. Of, well, there'll be a couple of honorable mentions in there, like, uh, um, uh, what's Offworld? Um, Otherworld? Otherworld. That Otherworld. did this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there'll be some honorable mentions because they're so perfect. 
Mm -hmm. The examples are so those will be in there too. I forgot his name. Who's the the uh, Tom Meyer? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Will yeah. you you cover anything that he's done? Because I mean he's not licensed to D and D. No, I mean, no. Without Tom Meyer, you've. Yeah, you know. I, I he'll probably get some um, honorable mentions definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's a icon. He basically. did some for Rel when they were doing. Yeah, the actually they did. Yeah. Okay. yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Okay, very cool. I, I'm. We haven't gotten to that one yet, so I'm gathering information, but it's not as well organized uh -huh. in my brain as, yeah. for instance, what, what through be, this 12 one. volumes or 13? It'll be 12 volumes. The last one, it will be a master index, which will be organized in a couple of different ways, one by number. We go back and forth on that. I, I want a 13th volume. Just because miscellaneous, he wants well, miscellaneous, yes. like the wallet you talked about. Yeah, yeah. just various licensed like strange things, beach towels. Oh, that'd you know? be great. Yeah, licensed. Yeah. The extras. real reason not to do that <laughs> is that there is no list for them anywhere, and you will never be able to complete that list because so, so many things were licensed. <laughs> so it'll be the unofficial ultimate collector's guide to strange and unusual stuff which will never be complete. What you do then is you print it with a pocket in the back and you say, we're going to be releasing additional things. Yeah. You can buy the sheets and put them in. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> that works very well. The book yeah. that never ends. That works very it, well. It might end up, we might end up doing something like that. <laughs> the book that never ends. That gives me an excuse to buy that stuff. And yeah. once we finish, there will be a couple of appendixes. Um, already planned are the Judges Guild stuff. Great. Oh, yeah. Um, the Rolaids stuff. Yeah, really, definitely. Um, yeah. And also because we're going through the end of 3.5, as it's a really good place to break, the D20 stuff. Okay, yeah, that makes that's fair. That's going to be great. So this yeah. is a this is a project that's just going to keep on going. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the one other thing we should bring up is something that one of our three hosts, uh, Nick actually was all excited when he came back with when he came back with the dungeon decks mm -hmm. and uh, he didn't know that you know we had already talked to you guys and seen this he's like have you heard of dungeon decks <laughs> and uh, ran us through some of them so maybe just kind of give a rundown on what well, they are and how they came about um well the dungeon deck was designed because tsr actually came out with something called the um oh uh game masters card Design deck? Design deck, something like that. Master deck? It was a strange box Are you box talking set. about It was the... second edition. Oh, okay. It's, I it was thought you were talking about Cardmaster? Cardmaster, I think like that. It was a strange thing. It was supposed to create an adventure, but it didn't. It was like an entirely different game. Hmm. So I got the idea to create a deck which allows you to create an adventure in 30 seconds. And basically that's what the dungeon deck does. It's a seven deck system that comes in the one. Um, you pull from lures right on down to traps, I mean, right down to the treasure and the monsters. You and have you a, an adventure. A, a lure to get the characters involved, what it looks like when they get there, what it feels like inside, what each room description is. You have a map, you have challenges for them to face, mm -hmm. and you have a reward for them at the end because players always need that. The nice thing about the dungeon deck, we've gone through and, and designed it. It was first designed by our major game master for those nights Me. when <laughs> six people were set to game and three showed up, mm -hmm. and you don't want to start that adventure. But right. because you've been planning for that, you haven't planned something else. Yeah. And you don't feel like going off the cuff all the time. So it's something, it's another option for that kind of setting. And I said, well, it's also good for someone who's just going to game every now and again, or run a game, DM. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's say you're at a con and a bunch of people oh, yeah. say, let's do a pickup game. Pickup yep. games. As a matter of fact, I ran one uh, the other day. I just, just pulled it mm -hmm. off the top of my head and uh, ran it up there. Perfect. But Can't because I'm not primarily a, a 
game master. I said, mm -hmm. it's got to work for someone who doesn't game master often or who has never game mastered. So it's got a real good balance that it works for experienced or new. Mm -hmm. And it is also because he's been playing since basic. <laughs> uh, no, original. Original. Woodbox. Yeah. Um, Which I presume is, you have. Uh, I don't have the box anymore. Just oh. the books with inside. The oh. box got destroyed. Yeah. The box is toasted. But eventually we'll get another one. Yeah. But the content oh, yeah. is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but because he's been playing so long, it really is not specific to one edition. Mm -hmm. We have people who play first, second, Pathfinder, Hack fourth Master. edition, oh. Hackmaster, Palladium, um, Wegs. I don't even know Wegs. It's, they set up behind us at a convention, uh -huh. actually at Gen Con last year, and so they kept hearing our... Our <laughs> yeah. talk through and the it booth, really and well for him. they came over. Um, I've never found any fantasy role-playing system that does dungeon delve that it doesn't work for. Wow! Yeah, it's it's that uh, it's um, generically simple. Uh huh. So, so for any of these things, um, how can people find them if they're not at a con? The web address is gamers-rule.com. Or just search for uh, Dungeon Deck or the Ultimate Unofficial Collector's Guide to Dungeon Dragons. Well, thanks you guys so much for being on the Roll for Initiative podcast. Well, thank, thank you, you for very much. Us. All right. That was cool. Yeah. They're a crack up. I love them. Good interview. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. Wow, flashbacks. Flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool book, the, the Collector's uh, Guide, if you, if you get a chance to pick it up, because... It'll give you flashbacks through every single page as you go through the stuff, and it'll probably send you to eBay pretty quickly as you start realizing something you really want to have back. Yeah, yeah it sounds really cool because not only does it tell you about just you know about the book and the the ISBN number, or whatever, it gives you a, a little snippets, a little bit of lore about a particular module or mm -hmm. a book, stuff like that. So it's it's a if looking at it from his historical standpoint i think it'd be uh, quite um important in that regard it's true and you know the one the other thing i kind of like is that they do not uh do something that some collector's guides do which is to put uh like values and prices and things it's not one of those kind of things they don't ever right. say this will fetch a hundred dollars at auction or any of that silliness because <laughs> yeah. um this might just they're be always me, fluctuating but, well yeah they're always fluctuating but also i mean from my perspective i think that if you're a collector, quote-unquote, of gaming materials, you should be collecting them because you want to play them, not because you want to seal them and never let anybody breathe on them ever again. I hate collectors like that. I mean, even even if you want to just, you know, you want to read it or scan it or copy it so you don't have to mess up your good copy, at least yeah, that's read fun. it. Yeah, there was, there, there was an episode of James May's Top Toys last year where he came on and he was talking about all the toys of his childhood, and he went to a collector's uh, auction of toy trains and he bought the most expensive train they had at the auction while everybody was just sort of ooing and eyeing over it and talking about how they would you know n keep it in perfect condition and keep it under glass and never touch it just like it was brand new <laughs> on the shelf and he went up and he, and he paid for it and he went to the auction booth and as soon as they handed it to him he's like could you take it out of the box for me and they, <laughs> their faces just dropped and he's like no 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 he's like, fine give it to me and he like rips the box apart throws it in the trash, takes the train, and goes, I'm going to go home and play with this now. Ah! And just runs home and puts it on a train track. <laughs> wow. that's, how you, that's how you do it. 
So it yeah. reminds me of a scene in a movie, but that's okay. Where they cut the nose out of a Rembrandt. But um. <laughs> uh, well, you know <sighs> that actually could be the kind of thing that would be the clue in a dungeon to some traps being nearby. So maybe this mm, would be a good maybe. time to talk about those. All right, we'll, we'll get segway. Segway, going into our next segment of table manners, and we'll be right back. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world, I like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. Oh, Nick. Oh, gosh, here I am. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Spacing off. I'm trying to find the trap. Come on. You know? That'll uh, lead us into... <laughs> that's what the thief's got to do. He's got to find the trap. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, traps and using them in your game and how you can desi- design them or, uh, you know, how, how you should use them just wherever and maybe some resources to them. And Julie has part of her <laughs> illustrious. Uh, well, that's uh, right. I forgot background. to mention that before. That's right. <laughs> we when we were talking about before. She has a trap in the uh, one of the Grimtooth traps books. So traps four. Yep, in traps four. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't know. Did you want to tell us about how you got about making that trap and you know, a little bit well, of the story behind it and what it is? Well, actually, give us a little the- bit of background on on the guys at Grimtooth themselves, because <laughs> you know, if, if you try to go on and uh, you know do a search for for Paul Ryan O'Connor on, online now, it doesn't really help a lot. I, I don't know much of the history. All I know is the books. Well, you know, I really didn't know much about them either. What happened was. In, at the end of Traps 2, now now in Traps 2, there are two additional traps, quote-unquote. One is a code at the end of the book, and the other is a three-digit page-paragraph word code that's hidden throughout the right. pictures. Yeah. Well, and I solved them both, and then I wrote in, in the code, to tell them that their page-paragraph words were off. <laughs> that they, that there, there were mistakes in there, because it didn't quite make sense. Mm-hmm. And and so I just started corresponding, and I have the letters somewhere, but I haven't been able to find them. Oh. I have everything somewhere. Trust me. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, after after a couple letters, he stopped writing in code because he found it irritating. And I think it was, I swear, I thought it was Mike Stackpole. I was email writing back and forth with. And this is, of course, you that know, makes sense. Back I in, mean, not, I mean, Mike yeah. Stackpole, you still see around. He's at all the conventions and oh, he'll yeah, be at he's... the writers' symposiums. Oh, yeah. So he's very active. He's, yeah, oh, yeah. he's all over the place. But I can't swear to it without actually having the letter in hand. But, you know, so so eventually I, I felt guilty for having taken up so much of his time asking these inane questions. So I wrote, like, three traps and sent them in um, because I felt like that would be nice. <laughs> I was in high school, okay? Well, I mean, if you're going to complain, the only, you be, have to be prepared to have them say, okay, here, you do it. <laughs> Yeah, and so and then it turned out that they that he liked one of them and published it and put it into the next book and I got a cop free copy of the book and it was so exciting. Excellent. What was your trap? Was... Describe it to us. Yes. If you can okay. <laughs> I can remember it. Though I suspect somebody there has it right in front of them. <clears throat> yes, I, I, I do. You're gonna test me on this. It's called Shuffle and Deal with It. Yep, it and sure is. Yes, and what it is is it's for those cut rate dungeons where you can't afford a teleport room. And what it 
the, 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 the magical effects of it are very limited because, well, what, what happens when you go into a teleport? The lich on a budget. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> well, and mine is actually usable, which is one of the things I'm very proud of because I hate to say 98% of everything in Grimtooth's traps is there just to giggle inanely over and then hope that someday you could put your players through. But you know you never would because then you'd never have any players anymore. Mm, right. <laughs> So, you know, basically the party walks into a room. I mean, what, what, this is what happens with a teleport room. You walk into a room, the lights flicker, your animals pass out, small characters pass out. And then you, when you open the door again, everything's changed and you're like, crap, I'm in a different part of the dungeon. Right. So, yeah. And so what this is, is it's rather than having to pay for those costly teleport spells, which also have to be renewed constantly, you know, mm-hmm. um, you, all it does is there's a spell that makes the lights flicker and the small animals pass out. <laughs> Meanwhile, down the hall, the orc behind the wall is just going, shoving the door over. So mm-hmm. the shoving a part of the wall over, opening up a new section and closing off an old section so that when you open the door, it looks like. You're in a completely different place. And you uh-huh. throw away your map and you start over again. Ha, ha, ha. Hmm, pure of genius. The, some of the, it, the, the best traps are the ones like that. There was one I remember in the first book that went to all this trouble to, to scare the players with, with molten lava and, and ice water coming at the same time and poison gas coming up. And ultimately, the, the trick was that after all these key things came shooting out of the wall, they would actually combine in these little areas that didn't actually hit the players, and each one would negate the properties of the other. So at the end of the day, you're totally fine. It just scared the, 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 the something off of you. <laughs> so. Hey, my favorite of all the traps in Grimtooth's traps, apart from my own, of course, the one that has stuck with me throughout the years is the plaid thumb. Oh, Do my gosh, that yes. One? Yes. That, yes. <laughs> it's that's it's just, basically a baseball sized ball that you find that's plaid and when you pick it up it sticks on your thumb. So suddenly you you lost all your dexterity. You can't handle a sword with that hand cuz you can't grip. You got a ball stuck on your thumb and it's yep, plaid. I'm looking at the picture of it right now. Isn't that great? <laughs> I mean that one struck me as pure genius. Yes. <laughs> Because I mean, you give it to the big warrior who doesn't know anything but you know, stick jockeying, and, and all of a sudden he's got and it starts to get plaid up your arm. The plaid spreads. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's actually a good point that there's nice. a difference between tricks and traps. Mm. Yeah, you know when mm-hmm. we talk about these things, um, th- there's the traps. Those are the things that the thief can be checking for. The mechanical traps that. Uh, you know, I think we'll talk a little bit about how thieves actually look for these. But then the tricks become a whole other thing. And I won't even bring the magic into it yet. But the tricks are the things where it's not something a thief could necessarily detect, but it's a trick on the adventurers. Uh, yeah. True, example, and the platform uh, is definitely a trick. Yeah. Right. Or what's the one where, um, you know, when, when you normally expect adventurers to go swinging over a chasm like Tarzan or like something out of Star Wars because there's a hook that they can throw a rope to in the ceiling, but this time the hook they can throw a rope to is actually attached to another rope, so when they begin to swing, they <laughs> swing down into the chasm instead. Nice. You know, it's not a trap, but it's a great <laughs> trick to play on them. Yeah, actually, that'd be a great mm. trick. So, yeah, so when, you, when designing your adventures... And, Julie, you can step in here also. When you designed your adventure sure. when you were younger, how many traps did you put in your adventure? Did you put, did you maybe not put it in at all once in a while? I mean, we'll start with you. Oh, with me? Yeah. I, 
I well, of course, right after getting Grimsworth's traps, like everyone, I loaded down with them because <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't help it. You just got so much to choose from. But no, after that, and and I've done this in in modern day stuff as well. I mean, you know, because you do your Indiana Jones type adventures, you do whatever. There's always room for something. But, um, you know, one or two is best because you load it down and they get way too cautious. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's one of the things. I, I did some looking around just trying to find anybody writing about it or talking about it before we did this uh, show. And it, it's tough. How do you deal with the players that want to check for traps every single step of the way? You know, the game's going to get really boring. You know, the game gets very boring very quickly mm-hmm. if at every single step I check for traps. I check for yeah, traps. Yeah, I know. They're I using the traps. thief as a tricorder, you know. It's going pick, 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 pick. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so you know, I, I've certainly game. done it before where if you if that happens a bunch, you're like, look, I'll, I'll, I'll roll for you back here and I'll let you know if you see something and we're just going to make you go slower. But that's not that satisfying to me, to be honest. Well, you know, I would have to say... I think part of the blame has to be, ironically enough, the module S1 Tomb of Horrors. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that kind of, I think Gary set a precedent there. And I think, I, I think mm-hmm. uh, in, there's, because, I mean, look at that. Look at that adventure. I mean, I mean, you got the green devil face and, <laughs> you know, you, you oh, got the everything. corridor where you're hearing the party down at the other end and everybody's goes down the other end and the, and the corridor kind of like, you know, the floor uh, shifts or something like that. It's like everything in there is practically a trap. There's very few monsters. So I think the, the three-armed paranoia, gargoyle and the... <laughs> yes, yes, and the giant skeleton that's with the scimitars inside the uh, chest. I think, I think this that, might be one of those the things The paranoia where... kind of started there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and but of course, yeah. not everybody's gone through that module. And I think this is one of those things where players have to get to know their DM and to know that their DM isn't going to put a trap at every single footstep. And maybe that's where it's go- it's where it's good that you have if you have a group of players that you started with from nobody really knowing the game, because when you start with novice players, they're not going to be checking for traps every five feet. And so, if you kind of get them used to the fact that. Don't worry, not every hallway you walk down is a potential, uh, you know, shoots and ladders kind of thing. <laughs> then what you can do is start getting better as a DM about uh, giving clues in the way you describe things. So you shouldn't, be, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be saying, this is an empty room, you see nothing. This is an empty room, you see nothing. This is an empty room, you see nothing, but that wall looks funny. I mean, but that's you know what? <laughs> this is but where, if you have as some a, way to say it. As a yeah. DM, too, you... and, and and I think everybody's agreement in here, one point or another. You, you just got to get creative. You sometimes you just physical traps. You don't need to make them. Sometimes it might be another type of trap that or trick or whatever that mm-hmm. might that you might create. It could be some strange magical trap. I mean, or you know, you know the <laughs> the teleport room or whatever. I mean, stuff that you can just sneak in there. So, yeah. oh, sure, they're always looking for. Well, oh also, yeah. I, I have to say, you know, for me, from the way I've always looked at things from a GM is that the, the monster or villain is my character. And I'll look at dungeon construction from that viewpoint because if they can figure out the personality of the, the antagonist or whoever built the dungeon, then mm-hmm. that, that's actually a valid character done thing as they start right. to go, oh, 
oh, wait a minute, this is Ramseth we're talking about. He loves to trap doorways. Yeah. You know, or something. And that Bingo. actually adds a layer to it as a, you know, as a story thing. You know, I joke about the, the cut rate, you know, the cut rate dungeon in my trap. Yes. But Lich still, on a budget. <laughs> yeah, but if you think about it, if you if you do think about planning a dungeon, and I know most people just it's it's part of what made me do this is B one, the old mm-hmm. B one because it was oh, just yeah. fill the rooms with monsters, and then I started thinking why why would this monster be in the room next to that monster? That doesn't make sense. And how does this monster eat? There's no food for it, you know. And right, that's that's I, in search of the unknown mo- yeah. module B one. Yeah, right? yeah. Yes. it's yeah. really yeah. interesting that you bring that one up right now, actually, because. Uh, in, in preparation again for the show, I was asking some folks on Dragon's Foot about a really particular question. Uh, uh-huh. Not specifically to traps, but I, one of the, the trap testing tools of the Dungeoneer is the 10 foot pole. Yeah, you know, your I trusty 10 foot pole. I saw that. And yeah. or, the, or the henchman. Or the henchmen, yes. or the summon animals, summon monsters, right? But uh, right. the ten-foot pole is one of those things where I, I've never seen an article in Dragon Magazine about it. I've never heard a really in, in-depth discussion about it. So I wanted to get people's feedback on, well, how do you use these things? You know, how does a ten-foot pole end up in a dungeon in the first place? What is this thing? Is it a barge pole? Is is it like a telescoping antenna from your car? And you know, I just, believe it's. Like, yeah, I believe it's three ahead. copper pieces in initial character generation. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so somebody on there mentioned, he, somebody with a really good memory said, didn't B1 have an illustration in it somewhere? And it turns out it did. You, there's an illustration in B1, uh, In Search of the Unknown, of the party getting, re- you know, walking through the forest on their way to the dungeon, and you see the fighter in the middle. I think it's the fighter. He's wearing a skirt, so I assume it's the fighter. Um, <laughs> he's I don't know how you made that leap of logic, but okay. Because hey, who's going to say anything to the fighter? And uh, maybe yeah. it's a utilikilt. Really yeah, I was just going to say it's a utilikilt. <laughs> if anybody, if anybody listening right now is wearing a utilikilt, please let us know because I got to give you a prize or something. Um, the, uh, no. the character in the middle is carrying a 10-foot pole. And this illustration is really good for me to kind of think about what is it like to carry one of these things. And it's basically like a big barge pole. Um, so it's really funny that you mentioned B1 because that's the one place where you will find an illustration of a 10-foot pole and what these things really are. Yeah. They actually are handy. I mean, people... I mean, there's only so much they can do because some things are pressure sensitive to the point of having to have weight put on them or something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, if you're poking ahead and it's a tripwire yeah. or, you know, something hidden in, you know, in the um, like cobwebs or something that you can, you know, that's going to get you if you run into it right up there and it hits ahead of you, that's a good thing. Of course, then a good dungeon designer will think about that and turn it on their head. Uh, Vince, like the game we were just in, mm-hmm. uh, Gen Con, you guys were poking ahead with your 10-foot pole, which, of course, managed to trip the tripwire, which was there specifically to alert the guards if somebody was coming in. Yes. So had the thief been just you know being a little bit more alert rather than poking 10 feet ahead of him, he yeah. would have noticed the tripwire. I think we spent a little too much time on poking the stick ahead and not <laughs> focusing on the adventure. So. Yeah, but you know, I mean, that, that raises another good point about how you have your thieves checking for traps. I don't like to have just the idea of roll, roll, roll. I prefer to listen to people say, what direction are you looking? What are you paying attention for? That type of thing. Because that way you can say, 
even even when they go up and actually find the trap, you could describe some of it to them and say you see some kind of a plate that could move, or you see a wire that's here, or, or whatever it is that's there. So they can give some mm-hmm. actual thought and some role playing to the trap rather than simply you know rolling a percentile to see if they can disarm it. On a slightly different note, but a way to make you think of how traps actually work, in a LARP that I was playing recently for picking locks, you had to have a thing, one of those things that tests charge, charge testers. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. You had to run, and you had to grip a, a bar and then run a wash over, through a series of bent wires without touching it, because if you touched it and set it off, then you had to start over. Oh. I, think they did, I think they did something like that at a true dungeon that I, that I went through at one of and the it, uh, cons. Yeah, and it forces you to really... I mean, once you start thinking in physical terms of what your character is actually doing, but at the same time, they made this something that anyone could do if they go mm-hmm. slowly enough. You know, that was nice because, you know, it, it takes it and turns it from a purely mental, you know, thing into, oh, I see what I need to do, you know. And, it's and a lot of fun when you have some different mechanics to bring into the actual game. Right. Too. One DM that was taking us through a a hallway that had a lot of different plates, uh, pressure-sensitive plates that would either tip the hallway to the left or to the right, and you had to be careful not to tip it too far. The way that, And you had to kind of guess at which plate it was going to be. So his mechanic that he came up with is he brought a deck of cards, and he basically had us play high-low. With each one, we had to guess whether the next card was going to be high or low from the last one, and if we got it right, we were stepping in the right direction. If we got it wrong, oh. we pushed it too far. It was oh, a short... Diversion. Everybody had a great cool. time. Yeah. So it's it's fun if you can come up with some little uh, quick mechanics at the table to bring people into it like that, instead of just it's, saying, it, "Did I make it down the hallway?" It's it, it's nice anytime you can introduce three dimensional props, or also because anything that creates more of the illusion of the game is nice. Mm-hmm. I I had a game once. It was a western setting, and I had a tray of dirt. Well, dust just sandy dust because they were having to map out how they're how they were going to defend this town yeah it was sort of a semi-samurai thing but with a really weird twist to it and and this dusty really dusty clingy dirt was and they were drawing in it and using rocks to set up here's where we're going to put the perimeter and here's where we're going to do this (laughs) well it turned out as the game went on that what they were being attacked by was these dust creatures and by then everybody was covered in this stuff (laughs) oh wow and and it creeped them out it was great (laughs) So what do we do if our players figure out the trap that we spent hours crafting and laughing over and crying and, you know, spitting blood up over? Do you change it on the fly or would you just keep it going and say, oh, well, they figured it out next time? I personally myself have changed traps right in the middle just because I don't want them to figure it out. And I'm an evil DM, so... I just would... You know what? Two reasons I wouldn't do it. One is because I feel like it's hard enough to get through... You know, when you're, th- when you're thinking it from the DM, you know everything that's there and it seems so obvious to you. But, you know, when you're on the player's side, everything is just so occulted and mysterious. You have no idea what's actually happening that just figuring something out is such a achievement. So on the one hand, I kind of don't want to take away that achievement from them. But the real, probably the real reason on the other hand is I'm not clever enough to come oh. up with something on the fly. So if they've figured it out... All right. It's kind of like if they killed my big bad monster too easily. Well, good for you. Just make another yeah, one. Yeah, I, I kind of look at it the same way. It's just like, no, they figured out the trap. 
they figured it out. You know, kudos to them. I mean, hey. <laughs> if nothing else, it gives an opportunity to gloat over how cool the trap was and how much they escaped it. Yeah. I, I think it, for me, I'd look at it from a plot point of view. Is it, is it important at this point that there's more time spent in this room for some mm. reason? Or, I mean, if this is the big bad penultimate trap that's going to get them the ring of everything control, then... then oh, you know what's then, in our dragon sword I, this week. Ooh, <laughs> that, then I'd be more likely to to add something to continue to up the tension rather than just let them get through it. It just depends. It's it. it I'd, I'd look at it from the uber plot point of view myself. Yeah, I guess if you spent all night making the trap, and that would be the uber trap of the night, so you probably want to do something special to it. I was in a game one time. Uh, sorry, I, I do cut me off if I go on too long. But uh, where the GM says, "Okay, you're this is a futuristic cyberpunk game, violence, all of this." He says, "Okay, you're going to be fighting mon- these monsters in a paint factory, you know, an old abandoned paint factory." So we go to the old abandoned paint factory, and my character's first response is, "I roll a grenade in the door," ah. and the GM just stares at me, and he's like, "Crap!" And I said, "What?" And he goes. <laughs> Well, I really didn't have anything planned for tonight, but I wanted to make you fight in the paint factory because everything, the fumes in the air are so flammable, you can't use any kind of bullets. So it's going to have to turn into hand-to-hand, and that would have took all night. He says, you just blew up the whole scenario. <laughs> wow. I'm like, it's not the first time Stig's rolled a grenade in. You should have expected that. <laughs> well, you know, players d- will always do the unexpected. Always, always, always. Yeah. No, you guys just gave me a great idea for a book. Remember Art Linkletter's Kids Say the Darndest Things? Yeah. yeah. Yes. We need a book, Players Do the Darndest Things. Yeah. <laughs> there should just be a collection of those kind of stories of the players that just do the most unexpected thing in a game. Wasn't that the, a Bill Cosby show, too, at one point? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, he I think did so, do yeah. something off of that, which is good. Anyway, yeah. so what books do we have for people that are just too lazy to design their own traps out there? Well, that well, would I be want to me. Start I'm this too one crazy. Off. Go ahead, Jason. <laughs> I want to start this one off. I think I mentioned this last time, but I think this book, this is not a game book. And by the way, I'll often go to things that are not game books as my source material for things. Mm-hmm. And this one is called Man Trapping. And it's by Ragnar Benson. Sounds like a Do you know him? You know who I'm talking about? No, this just man trapping. <laughs> sounds like yeah, it sounds like a date book for women or something. Well, this came this came out on Paladin Press. There were a couple of publishers uh, in the eighties and nineties called uh, Loom Panics and Paladin Press, and they put out all these kind of books that really tested the limits of what you were allowed to actually print. In fact, Ragnar mm. Benson has had Ragnar. several of his books banned from importation into Canada for certain, and he is this sort of shadowy figure who definitely fought in Vietnam, definitely was doing some kind of mercenary work in Africa for a number of years, and has written all of these books that kind of talk about, he calls it preparedness, not being a survivalist, being a prepared person. And so this particular book, Man Trapping, is all about the kind of traps that you're likely to encounter if you're out in these areas that there's guerrilla insurgencies and that sort of thing. And uh, how to recognize them, how to avoid them, or if you ever end up in a situation where you have to protect your land from, I don't know, the revenuers or something, how you can. <laughs> so. Uh, IRS, yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's got all sorts of things. It really talks about the psychology of traps, mm. how they are 
uh, spotted in the wild, what you know, what you have to do to set them up, and some of the ways that they're really done, like the idea of triggers, because the trigger for the trap is one of the most important things, what sets it off. And so he has a whole chapter devoted to how triggers really work. Um, and then you have things in here like the pit trap, the sheep eater's rockfall, the Chinese chopper, the Cuban water trap, the Javaro catapult, uh, all sorts of good stuff. So um, awesome. that is my favorite Fun book. Fun for the whole for family. This. Yeah, I, you, you've got to look for it used. Uh, it's out of print, but you can actually find PDFs of it floating around the Internet uh, if, you're, if you're looking for it, and that's my favorite. Ironically enough, when you said out of print, most of the uh, Grimtooth Traps books are out of print. Mm. Um, the one that I believe still is, Flying Buffalo still puts out, is uh, Traps 2. But, there's um, a best of there's a best of floating around. I don't know if it's still in okay. print, but but I looked I know, it up like recently. the original one and Traps Four because uh, they didn't do a Traps Three because they said it was just too evil. Uh, <laughs> traps Eight and Traps Light, and uh, if you can still find them on eBay and stuff. Luckily, I I hunted around for them and you know found them at cons and stuff like that. You can always find them at you know conventions and. You know, in the bins and what have you. So, Grimtooth is still out there. I think two is a real good start. Traps two. Um, uh, Max yeah. telling us the traps two is available at the uh, Flying Buffalo site. Yeah, that's that's the one I know is uh, still available. Is traps two. Yep. Oh, good, good. Yeah, the other ones though I think are out of print. But traps two is a good start, and if that you know whets your appetite, you know, the you can uh, hunt down the rest of that series. And uh, I did find a couple of websites. That deal with, you know, some trap stuff. One of them is uh, chaoticshiny.com. Chaotic and they have, yeah, chaotic shiny. Huh. Chaotic, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they have a trap, random trap generator on their website, which is really cool. That's cool. And, so you, you always have something available then. Yeah, yeah. So you can make it right there in your browser. You can make a make a trap right there, and it's generic. You can use it for any system, and so I think that's a really cool online resource. And uh, another place was adnddownloads.com. Ad with the letter N D downloads.com, mm-hmm. and uh-huh. they have I would say about ten different downloads of either PDFs or Word documents of various traps. Kind of done in the old Grimtooth style. Those are definitely just, working out. You have oh, to be a little. Go, you, you, you have to be careful with that site, the AD and D downloads, because a lot of their stuff now is based on the new edition. So, well, the yeah. nice thing about traps is, yeah. I mean, this is why Grimtooth was so good. With a trap, you don't really need to put any stats in it. You right. just need to describe the mechanism. So, if somebody's written a trap for any edition, all you have to do is look at how it's set up, and you can adapt it. And I, th- yeah. I love this topic specifically because for me this is where I run into you know the I guess you would call it writer's block or DM's block I've mm-hmm. always had a rough time of making up traps it's just like I just have a hard time trying to figure out how to make one you know yeah it's yeah traps are so crazy that's why I when love, I look at a yeah, I when love I look resources. at a well designed one when I look yeah. at a well-designed one, I, I, I look at the moment that's so obvious, it's great, but I don't think I would have thought of it. You look at it and you're like, I would have thought it. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I love the like the Grimtooth traps or, you know, I'm and now they got Chaotic Shiny there with their random 
a trap generator. I mean, for me, it makes my life as a DM a lot easier where if I have to figure out a trap to make either a magical one or a mechanical one, uh, you know, what have you, I mean, I could either literally steal the idea right off the page or, you know what, maybe you can modify it a little. It's like, you know, maybe I don't like that part. It's still kind of cool, but, you know, maybe I want to add this or take this away. So, Well, you know, and one of the things is when, you, when you're designing the traps, I think what can cause the DM block is if you start out with the idea, I've got to put a trap here now. If you start out from the idea, this is the room, this is what's around, and you just start looking at it in your mind and thinking, well, what if that worked a little differently? You know, like we were yeah. talking the other day, and we were talking about the animal friendship. I think it was a ring of animal friendship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that kind of led to the idea of something that could have worked for a trap. So one last place you might look for things. Surprisingly, Dragon Magazine doesn't have a lot uh, when it comes to traps. But if you look in some of the older issues, there used to be a column called Dastardly Deeds and Devious Devices. Yes. And so you, you can find some good ones there. So... Uh, we'll, and we'll put up on the show notes, you know, points to all these different places that you can go and maybe, find out about the traps. Maybe that's a so, good idea for uh, what was it, Todd to write an article on traps. Oh yeah, I would love it. I would love it. There you go, Todd. We give you another idea for you <laughs> to throw up there. Todd, for if us. you're well, listening, Todd seems to have a lot of good ideas of his own. So let's see what he does. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're gonna move into uh, Dragon Sword now, guys. Dragon's Horde. So, Dragon Horde tonight. What do we have, Jason, since you already dropped a little bit of the bomb with Julie before about this? We have the Ring of Everything Control. No. <laughs> actually, we almost do. We it's darn close. <laughs> we actually have, um, as we look inside the box, we peer in and see a small, shiny ring. And this is a Ring of Genie Summoning. Uh, that's if you're looking in the alphabetical areas, that would be D J I N N I, not as in I dream of, but as an I genie of. And and it's it's just what it sounds like. This is going to actually summon a genie, and it's going to summon them from the elemental plane of air. This is actually a, a dimensional gate, is or a, I guess a planar gate is what it really is. And if you go and you yeah. take a look at Jeff Grubb's manual of the planes that's a really good resource for when you're thinking about how the ring actually functions and what it's going to do in in just plain game terms is it's going to summon a genie as you expect which will obey and serve the wearer of the ring yes um and then of course it's only going to be good for the wearer of the ring so once that the wearer of the ring is either uh killed or well, killed basically. I was going to say or plane shifts it or whatever. But once, if if the if the bearer of the ring is killed, the ring becomes worthless. So it's a very powerful item. Yes, it is. Uh, you don't get this <laughs> to your first level players. <laughs> and, 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 no. Though it would be really chaotic. Yeah, it would be funny to see what you know. Actually, maybe you do because the genie just is not going to respect this first level and will cause havoc throughout. And I guarantee your genie will not be Robin Williams. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> or, or Lenny Henry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, is this too powerful for your campaign? I think it might be for lower level characters, yes. like you were saying, Jason. But maybe, yeah. maybe it might be fun just to see what happens with the ring, what they do with it. I have a player in my group, is lower level. He, uh, I was, I accidentally randomly rolled this because I forgot to roll it up, so he got a wish, and he hasn't used it for four levels. He's just holding on to that wish. 
Yeah. So he, he's waiting and waiting. I go, what are you going to do with that wish? You want to do that wish? I keep going, you got a wish. But he will not <laughs> use it. He's just holding on to it like a little kid who have found a quarter on the ground. <laughs> he's not going to spend it. Nope. Nope. Nick, what do you well, think? No, I, you know, this is a magic item I have not used or let alone actually really run across. But, man, it really does open up a can of worms, don't it? I'm just trying to think of, does this genie really want to be tied to some mortal? I mean, Well, I mean, this is the thing. Before we jump too far into that, it's, no, it's good to note what we're talking about with a genie here. I mean, yeah. if you, it's only the noble djinn that are actually able to grant wishes. So according to Monster Manual, you've got a 1% chance of rolling up a noble djinn. The actual genie are not terribly powerful things for high-level creatures. They're a seven-hit dice monster, if you want to look at it that way. And and the kind of things that they're going to be able to do is to be just a really helpful servant with some great magical abilities. If you get a noble one that can grant wishes, I mean, maybe at a very high level you could do it that way. But uh, I I don't think that it's a game-unbalancing item if you're talking about characters who are say ninth or 10th level for, for example yeah also my my first instinct is you know to to have the genie created in advance that you know set it with the ring so that mm-hmm. that that there's a personality issues because hmm. it, it's an intelligent creature it can have a personality oh yeah oh, yeah and, and, and if, it they mat- if your alignment doesn't match, that's already a good thing because they're chaotic good. So if your character's right. something else, you've already got a fun opportunity for some you can wacky have hijinks. A bipolar oh. dingy come out. <laughs> Why bother? Well, you know, I'm thinking maybe one who has its own agenda, who who's going to try and you know, oh, you know, I heard there was a treasure over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, okay. no, there's this gotcha. treasure this direction. I mean, you could you could work a whole other storyline into it if you wanted to. I mean, not in a generic one, but in your personal campaign, you know, the idea of maybe the genie trying to find the ring that's imprisoning his girlfriend, genie. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Well, also, if you have a genie that's higher intelligence than the character, they're going to be manipulating them probably in some fun ways. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm really thinking of this in sort of an 80s buddy picture movie kind of with Robin Williams and, and oh. Richard Pryor kind of situation, you know, where one of them comes out and is the genie and the other one is like, I control the genie. And the genie, of course, is Richard Pryor, who has his own ideas about what's going to happen. <laughs> well, all, all the genie needs to start doing is be like, you know, those guys are talking about you. They don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I overheard them. They think you're a dork. <laughs> You should have heard what they said about you while you were gone. <laughs> any, oh, any number of things that they can have fun with. I, I think it would be really good. I mean, the good thing about them is they're going to be able to do things like... Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just now going back to the monster manual to see what the genie can actually do. Um, and as far as doing for the players, it's going to be just things like creating food or creating water or even wooden items. So it'd be really useful in a lot of cases where, oh, we need a staircase here. We need to get up to that... that well, I've got my genie. Let me have him create a staircase. That kind of stuff. So it can be really well, and useful. And creating I food don't... and water is not something to sneeze at. Because if you run no. out of food and water in the middle of a dungeon. Oh, how about like the genie that's like uh, that bumbling genie that every time he casts something, it just goes completely wrong? Or like a oh, wild magic fun. genie or something? Oh, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like, oh, 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 magic mongo. Yes, magic mongo. <laughs> oh, God. There you go. You guys got to help that's... me out. I don't get the reference. 
Uh, Saturday morning Crofts show along with Land of the Lost and Wonderbug. Yep. yep. Yes. Uh-huh. I remember Way those. Way back Magic when. God, I he was that. pretty useless. He he was he everything he did would come out somehow wrong. Yeah, he oh, was okay. he was so, such a dopey so the genie, genie. has good intentions. Like I'll make you some food, and they make you like something really salty, and you can't eat it. He had like a oh, dis- it should be kind yeah. of like the uh, uh, the new the the, the the vending machine on the Heart of Gold in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> every single thing they made it made was just slightly completely inedible. Yes. Yeah. Because they didn't quite, because they didn't quite understand what humans wanted to eat, and maybe this genie's from the elemental plane of air. He doesn't really get this whole human food thing. I know he's always making light meals. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, sorry. No, that. But that, the good thing, the good thing with it, though, I mean, I can see a lot of cases where it'd be incredibly helpful to have an elemental from you know from the from the plane of elemental air when you're trapped in a room or you can't get through to something or you need to find out what is over that hill, behind that wall, etc. He can be a really, really handy uh, aid to have around. Spoiler on my show, it's the Dead-Eye Kid has a ghost for a sidekick, and the ghost can go scout all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, think of him that way. So, (laughs) yeah. I'm actually getting kind of talked into the idea that this would be a really fun thing for the players to get a hold of. I think it's definitely something you'd want to plan for your campaign, not just something to roll up randomly. No. Yeah, yeah, I you're actually right. have a hard time rolling anything. Yeah, I have a hard time rolling anything up randomly because you never know what it's going to do. I like to pick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, there's nothing like that ro- random roll, and they get the single number that will get them the uh, deck of many things. Oh. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yep. And then you spend the next two hours on everybody pulling a card out of the deck. Or they got the apparatus yeah. of the until your entire play until your entire party is dead except for the one who is now a god. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, tell us how you use the ring in your games, rfistaff at gmail dot com, and we'll head into creature feature theater. And uh, I believe Nick is going to be running us through that. Yes. All right, Nick, so... Yeah. You're the man this week. I am the man. I'm so bad I should be in detention. Um, Wow. All right. So, creature feature this week. Um, I believe Vince and Jason, you got your uh, characters ready to go there? Yes, we do. Cedric. I got uh, and Grimthar. We and we also have a new player. Yeah. Our our guest Julie. She's Thank playing you. you're playing a thief, right? Yes. Yes. So I'm we're, Li- yes. Lyle. Lyle? Oh, yeah, Lyle. Lyle. I Lyle. think Lil Lyle. Or whatever you want to call her. <laughs> that works. And Lyle works. Give her, give her a name give tell us how you what her name is so we can refer to you properly. Uh, oh Lyle is works because my the name given to me by my elven mother is something you couldn't pronounce oh okay Lyle it is Lyle it is you know something we might want to uh, do for future creature features you guys seen the Mad Irishman's character sheets? Yeah, I directed you towards those. Was it you? Was it you that told me about them? Yeah, yeah. I knew I knew it was at the convention that somebody told me for the first time, and 
amazing things. That if anybody wants to go, we should put a, a link in the show notes to those things. Where um, what we could actually do is is just fill those out. I think he was actually even volunteering to help people make them uh, fill in a bowl PDF forms. So oh, that would uh, be great. Yeah, he actually showed up on the on the forums uh, for the first time ever, just out of the blue total coincidence so we might even try to get them come on the show sometime because that's a great cool. way to get your character sheets that are uh, have everything kind of where you expect them to be he was in the dragon's um, foot uh, yeah he was on dragon's foot for the for the first time came on and did his first two posts just to uh just today oh cool nice yeah yeah i've been right. using his sheets for years he's a great 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 artist a great maker of sheets yeah he does them from scratch he just manages to make a maker them of sheets so- all right, uh, so ahead, Nick. You have the floor, the microphone, and the audience. All right. Well, as many of you might recall, uh, the last time that Cedric and Grim Grimthar Grim were Thar. were adventuring, yes, uh, they stopped. Uh, they were going through what was like a rocky, hilly area, and the last thing they ran into was a Lucrata. Well, you made it through this rocky, hilly area and made it to into some kind of plains area, and you stopped off at a a, a, a town, and uh, this is where you um, met up with Lyle. Hi, Lyle. Your Lyle party looks like you could use a thief. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mainstream and fast forwarding it. <laughs> that's right. So that's how Lyle got into it. Well, you've been hearing some rumors around. This particular area, this town, and the all surrounding areas that they've had some problems with some strange creatures destroying the uh, destroying crops, destroying farmland, and they seem hmm. to just pop out of the earth at random places. Hmm. And a couple that sounds of like a job been, for some half elves. Yes, <laughs> and it sounds and it it seems like that they just pop pop up at random, particularly at night. People have been a couple of people have been hurt. One person has been killed, and um, they uh, said that if you could help their town out and the surrounding uh, the surrounding area of the farmlands, uh, they will pay you handsomely. Hmm. So, That's all the motivation we need. Let um, us go funny. forth. All right. So, Do we have um, a layout of the town so we know where these attacks are occurring? They seem to be a occurring randomly around the area but they said well the last last uh, attack was at such and such place you know just down the road here it won't take you long to get to it maybe you can investigate there maybe that's the best place to look all right so let's get us let's get us over there all right so, so you head over there we travel down the road i'm gonna make a random roll here are we uh, be able to look at the body of the victim or have they already been interred uh, yeah, they've already been interred and all that. So, some, so can somebody tell us what 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 does it look like? They were attacked by weapons or by claws. It was. I mean, it will tell were, us. These something. creatures were not humanoid. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they didn't see the attack; they just saw the bodies afterwards. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And how did the bodies look when they got a hold of them? Mangled. Destroyed. Mangled. Mm. Shot up. Ch- gnawed on, ch- chewed up on. Okay, gnawed on, shot up. Okay, yeah, chewed up on. Okay, Vince, you're one, two, and Jason, three, four, and Julie, five, six. Okay, uh, two. <laughs> Nick's gonna get revenge on me from last time. <laughs> no, well, as you guys are traveling along, 
Vince, yes. the ground beneath you <laughs> gives way. Yeah. And you fall <sighs> into some... Not too far. You kind of stumble and fall into uh, a pile of soft dirt. Huh? Oh, now, yeah. stumble and fall meaning fall like trip, not like fall down a no, hole? It kind of, yeah, falls down a hole. It's just oh, like okay. the earth kind of gave way as you're walking through this farmland, and he falls into, I guess, like a pit area. Crap. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be, and there's enough light for you to see that there's, um, oh, it's roughly a 20 by 30 area that's been cleared out of dirt and everything. Great. Mm-hmm. And uh, there seems to be two corridors, if you want to call them, or tunnels. Like they're about somebody dug or something, right? Yeah, something or someone dug through. Great. Uh, one goes about 20 feet to the north, roughly, and the other one goes about 40 feet to the east. Wonderful. And, and that's as far as we can see. What yeah, I can and say. it's about 10 feet wide. Beyond beyond that, you can't really see. Hey, guys. Okay, so uh, let's leap what time down of day into are we... the... Oh, yeah, what, what time, time of day are we at right now? Afternoon. Okay. Because so if the attacks take place mostly after night, it's good to know what we've got as far as light goes. Yeah, so right. there's plenty of light. You yeah. can see uh, you can see Grimthar down the pit like, hey, guys. <laughs> All right, so Are someone... I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop down into the pit with him if there's enough. How big did you say it was? 20. Oh, it's about like a 20 by 30 wide hole. Okay, how deep hop down in, and about you said there's two corridors. Less than right? 10 feet. Less I, than 10 feet down. I missed this hole. <laughs> You fell into it. Well, it, that the ground above gave way. Oh, it was already say. covered. Wow! It was like it was a thin. You know, the the uh, the earth was kind of thin where you fell through. Okay. So. Right. Well, with yeah, that much earth giving way, there's probably an easy way to just climb down in. Yeah. 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 You can easily climb down. Of rubble. <laughs> yeah. There's just clods of dirt and everything. You can easily climb down. It's maybe eight feet deep down. Okay. <laughs> mm. I see London, I see France, I see Lewis underpants. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna ho- I'm gonna leather, hop leather down armor helps. Pit. Yes, I know. You said there's two corridors, right? Yeah, one that goes to the north about 20 feet, and the other one goes to the east about all 40. Right. On the on the corridor to the east, I'm gonna mm-hmm. cast a web so that it's protected somewhat, so nothing comes flying through from that corridor. Okay, no problem. You cast your web spell, and it fills up that a good amount of that corridor, no and problem. And to the north, I'm going to cast a flaming sphere down the corridor as far as I can. Really? Okay. Um, Great. Just draw the Tremor creatures. Get into the action. Out. Let's get to the yeah. action. Let's get the Tremor, the Tremor creatures to come out and kill us already. Yeah. Uh, flaming sphere, right? Okay, go ahead yes. and uh, roll damage for that. Alright, six. Alright. And... You hear a strange squealing sound <laughs> come from the area that you cast your flaming sphere. What did we see? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming some, that it cast a good light as it was going down as well. Um, you see a creature that is, the best way I could describe it is, it's, it looks like a, Insect type creature, okay, mm-hmm. with many legs, okay, mm-hmm. and it's kind of has a 
greenish kind of carapace to it. So greenish carapace, like a, you mean, like the carapace is like the shell. Is that what that is, or the yeah, it's exoskeleton is kind of a greenish color. Okay, so big, a real beetly kind of looking thing. Um, more like almost like a centipede. Yeah, almost like a centipede in a way. Okay. Hmm. So, and uh, and when you say it's large, are we talking you know fills the entire tunnel or it's big dog 15, size? 10, it's about ten fifteen feet long. Whoa! How tall? Hmm. Oh, probably about four feet tall when okay. it's on its legs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, four feet tall. That sounds about right. Is it dead? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> But it's mad. <laughs> I'm sure That's it is. what we're going for. And it's coming towards you now. Come get some. So, so uh, why don't we uh, go ahead and, you know, declare reactions and then we'll roll for initiative. So, uh, uh, Julie, since you're our guest, what are you going to do? Well, since he's standing in the hallway in its way, I. <laughs> 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 uh, my best bet right now is going to be get uh, get myself a good view and get ready to shoot with my bow. I'm assuming I have one since I have a proficiency. Yes, you have a short bow. <laughs> okay, that's probably my best bet to start with. Stay back and make sure I've got a clear view. Okay, Once no it problem. gets into range. Okay, Vince? I am going to throw my javelin at it. It's plus Throw one. a javelin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Jason? I'm going to cast invisibility on myself, and uh, I'll be <laughs> leaping backwards with readying my my magical quarterstaff to attack if it comes forward. Okay, but I'll be trying uh, to I'll be trying to step backwards out of. If there's enough time after I cast invisibility, I'll try to step backwards out of the path. Okay, all right. So who's going to roll initiative for you guys first? Uh, I've got my brand new precision dice. Go ahead, Jason. Go. go ahead. All, all right, roll those things. precision dice. dice. Oh, we got a six. I got a six. Sorry, guys. Oh! oh tie. Weapon Players speed. Players go first on a tire. Tie, so... Mm. Uh, that's, yeah, that's how so I use it. You have a clear shot there, Julie, so, with your character. Okay. So why don't you go Lyle. ahead and... Uh, to Lyle. Go ahead and... Um, Let's see are what you, I get here. Are you... Uh, well, I'll go ahead and you roll to hit. And let me know okay. what you... Let me know what you got. Uh, four. A four. Okay. Twang. That's not and, even a question. Yeah, your arrow ends up in the, the dirt wall. Yeah. Okay. Vince, go ahead and he's you're a six level fighter, right? Yes. Alright, go he's ahead and roll the hit on that. Pulling back and winging that javelin as hard as he can right between the bugs I no, I'm just gonna hit the bug. Okay. And he rolls a seventeen, it's a plus one, so eighteen. Okay, let me uh just make a Kind of a random roll here on something. Let's see, do okay. No, it'd be an eighteen then, because I got also a plus one to attack. So right. Good. Now go ahead and roll your damage. You did hit it. Yeah. Your uh, your uh, javelin hits into the side of the creature and it makes this weird squealing noise again. Nice. And let's see, one d six k five. Let's see, fifteen points of damage. Wow. Fifteen. Yeah. Wow, baby. Holy shnikes. <laughs> nice hit. All right. Grimthor smash. 
javelin goes into the side of this creature with a nice smack and you hear this squeal from the creature and this kind of weird greenish fluid starts coming out of its body where it was hit. Nice. All right. Icor. Icor. Yes. And Jason, <laughs> you're casting your invisibility. So you're yes. doing the art of not being seen. How not to be seen. How not to be seen. Especially the large. Yes, the, the large. So, poof. So you two are in combat, and suddenly the uh, magic user cleric goes poof. <laughs> As All right, we have now, a magic user let's cleric want to do. Let's see who this... Uh, Holy crap, the creature can cast spells. No, no, I'm just saying, <laughs> well, be lucky not, but he almost has something just as bad. Um, <laughs> let's see who attacks. I'll say one to three Vince, four to six Julie. Uh, Vince, you are attacked. Damn you. It's up to you, and your armor class is what? 275 negative zero. Oh, okay. No, it's zero. <laughs> zero. Zero. I would say it still hits. I didn't think we were uh, playing Cinnabar. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> oh, God, don't even go there. Fourth edition. <laughs> oh, yeah. and it missed. I rolled a 10, it missed you. <laughs> it comes up, to, it tries to take a chomp, and it just chomps into the dirt. Uh-huh. So, you get a really good look at this thing now. It's kind of has a it's greenish overall on top with a strange kind of yellowish-green underside kind of purplish, multifaceted eyes like any other bug. Multiple legs. It kind of looks like a... almost looks like a giant centipede, but just a little more insidious. So, let's go ahead and have uh, actions declared again. So, Julie, what, you gotta uh, Julie, try to hit this thing. Julie, before you say anything, let me ask you something. Are you, do you say you're shooting arrows? Yes. Okay, because I can put flame arrow on your arrows. I can cast that. Might ah. be okay, so- I... Sure. Okay. <laughs> Normally, so I would that, say, "Do I know you can do that?" But that's okay. <laughs> well, we've been adventure. We we would have had a chance to talk about it. So, just so you know, if, if you decide to do that, then that'll be my action that I'll do to go with it. Let's go for it. Can I shoot more than one arrow in a round? Do I have a high enough skill or whatever? I think a short bow, the rate of fire actually is two. Yeah, with I a short so. bow, you're gonna you're gonna be able to get one off. You'll always get your first shot off, and then the next one you'll end Short up. Short bow rate of fire is two around. Yeah. So okay. And, so and you can if hit. If we're playing with that kind of initiative, then you'd be able to get the first one. You'd automatically get the first uh, first hit. But I, I don't ah, know. Okay. That's, that's up to the DM as to whether we're using those kind of rules. Yeah. Well, I, I just say rate of fire two, and you roll for both of them. Yeah. Okay. So. Let's just do that. I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and flame them if you can. I mean, Absolutely. if we've got time. Yeah, you hear someone uh, kind of poke on your shoulder. I mean, light those on fire for you. <laughs> <laughs> Roll versus shoot him in the face by mistake. No. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'm going to aim in the general. I'm not going to take the time to aim specific, but I'm going to aim in the general direction of where I see eyes. Okay. Okay. Very cool. I mean, presumably there is a head area. I'm not. Yes. I'm not oh, yeah. targeting specifically, like you know, giving myself negatives, but I'm going in that area. Oh, okay. definitely has a head. Definitely has a head. Okay. So go so ahead. So first of all, well, wait, wait, wait. With yeah. the clear action, still we haven't. Oh, that's right. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. That's right. Sorry. I I need to know. Does this creature regenerate? 
How do you know? <laughs> you need to know that. Well, because of the weapon I'm using, that's why. You have no idea. Alright, well then... Um, then you're going to have to... Roll me a percentage. See, see if you maybe have heard or seen this creature before. No, just when, when I roll my attack, you, I'll let you decide. But I'm using my bastard sword. Okay, okay. All right. All right, so, um, yeah, we'll have the missile weapons go first. So go ahead, do your two shots with the flaming arrows. Okie dokie. First roll, 11. Second roll, 9. My Thacko's like 18. What's a Thacko? Uh, that's, I think she meant Thack Zero. What's a Thack Sorry. Zero? That's what first edition people say, Thack Zero. Never heard of it. Yeah. Thwack, thwack. <laughs> miss, miss. Yeah, both missed. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Flaming misses. And yeah. I guess, uh, Vince, go ahead and with the bastard sword. Okay. Well, it's a 15 if it's non-regenerating creature, and it's a 17 if it is a regenerating creature. You hit. Okay. And it does 2d4 plus 4. So that's 5 points of damage. 5 points of damage. This thing is still up. It lets out a squeal again when it gets hit. And it does not appear to regenerate after you slice into the side of this creature. Okay. Alright, let's see who it attacks now. Okay, let's see. Uh, Vince, you are attacked again, because you heard it really bad already. And I'm yeah. still far away at bow length. <laughs> yes. Um, She's a tasty snack creature. Alright, see if this hits this time. Yes, it does. And you are hit for... Nine points of damage. Oh. And when you are hit, you feel the not only the pain of the bite, but like this burning... You have this burning sensation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For an additional point, so ten points total. Like when it bit, it squirted acid onto you. Hmm. Hmm. Ow. And yeah. So yeah, it definitely uh it definitely bit into you. Very much hurt. So. <laughs> and I think uh Jason you already did your action. You did the fl- yep. uh with the uh arrows. Okay. Yep. Well, new round. And uh Julie, are you going to continue with your arrows? Um yeah, cuz after seeing what happened to him, I don't want to get close up to get bit. <laughs> As any good thief would do. Uh, Exactly. Are you going to continue with the uh, bastard sword? I'm going to hack this creature away from me. Hack the creature away and Jason? Now, how how big is it compared to the tunnel that it's in, you said? Um, This thing is approximately 15 feet long. But it fills about half the tunnel as far as height goes? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's about four feet tall. And yeah. width? How about how about how how much is it of the tunnel does it fill widthwise? Three feet, maybe. It's about three feet wide. Yeah. Okay, and the tunnel's about how big? Ten feet. Ten. Oh, okay. Well, there goes that idea then. <laughs> Standard graph square. 
Yeah, I was just going to see if standard I Standard path square width. Exactly. The, the monster knew it. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay then. Um, so there goes my original idea of actually just enlarging the creature so that it gets jammed into the tunnel <laughs> and unable to go anywhere. Um, I think it's time for a good old-fashioned lightning bolt. Ooh, okay. Roll that beautiful bean footage. I mean, roll that lightning bolt. Right. Well, okay. let's roll the initiative. Yeah, initiative. Oh, right. that's right. I'm sorry. Boo, boo, boo. All right. Crud. <laughs> oh, who's rolling for you guys? Uh, I'll roll. Four. I rolled a three. Woo! All right. Wait, it's low, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Oh my goodness! It's going after, it's going after the thief now. <laughs> but Can I? In this, case, in this case, though, and your armor class, I think, is three or two. Uh, armor class is two. Okay, it kind of rears up, and it squirts acid in your direction out of its mouth. I cartwheel yeah. out of the way. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Actually, uh, considering the hit dice of this thing, it just missed you. Ah! It so missed you did you cartwheel one. out of the way. So you kind of did cartwheel out of the way. You kind of did a <laughs> Jackie Chan kind of thing. And you see where the acid hit, it just dissolves all this dirt and stuff and debris. Ow. That would have been. That would have been very nasty. Very <laughs> nasty indeed. All right. So, uh, still going to try to plink this thing with your uh, bow? Julie? Oh, yes. Yeah, right, I mean, what are we going to do? Try and get yeah. out? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Two more shots. Actually, actually, I'm going to um, run up the debris and get out of the place. Get out of the hole. Get around. Okay, mm. so you're kind of you're climbing up the. Uh, mm-hmm. up the Sounds like she has a plan. Uh huh. It's not much of a plan, but it's a plan. It's a plan. All right, so you're like, ah, the heck with this. I'm going to try something else. All right, Vince. Well, I figure it shouldn't it? even be a challenge for a thief to get out of this hole because of the debris no, and everything. Yeah, there's plenty of good handholds and whatever. So you only mm-hmm. have to make a climbing roll. I am going to charge the creature and attack it like I was normally doing. <laughs> and my roll is a five. And you miss. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. And Jason Okay. So you want to run up to it, you do your battle cry swing and miss. And Jason's character Unfortunately that's about the same time I was casting the lightning bolt, isn't it? Yes. Oh, this ought to be interesting then. Okay, so <laughs> Um, so this is actually... Let me just check the area of effect here. The area of effect is... Anybody but spellcaster. It's a forking bolt, one square wide and four squares long. And uh, so I don't know if, if um, Grimthar is going to get caught in the radius of this, but here comes 66 of damage. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, brings so. up that age-old question, how conductive is a bastard sword? No. Yes. Um, <laughs> So, we will uh, soon find out. Let's see here. We've got there's 
12, 15, 25 points of damage. And I rolled it save for half, and I rolled a one. So. (laughs) Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, I rolled a one. Um, Vince. Yeah. You are lucky enough that you are uh, the way that he kind of. When he shot his bolt, the creature, when you. You uh, ran up to the thing, up to its head, and tried to take a swipe. Uh, When the lightning bolt went off. Its body was perpendicular to the bolt, and the bolt like cuts the thing right in half. Sweet. So, so I, oh, man. so it's dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So what was? It the only creep? had nine hit points left. <laughs> yeah, never discount the power of a spell cast. <laughs> so what was the creature? It was. If you look in your monster manual on page six, the ah, uh, good old number one. Yes, it was the Ankhead. The other uh, what? The Ankhead. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're not going to discuss it this Ankeg. week. Ankhead. Yeah, the Ankhead. So next week we next will week talk about we will it. talk about the creature, and that's going to bring us out into our last segment of the night. Just just so you knew what I was trying to do, <laughs> even though I well, I mean, I have a plan. I was going to get up behind it and try and backstab arrow down on the back of its head. But it worked. So, so now I we're did going, have a plan. Now we're going into the last segment of the night. Ooh, one of those electronic voting dealies. So this is going to be the end of the show this week, and we're going to be saying goodbye to Julie, who's going back into, <laughs> audi- into audio drama land. But, uh, Such a drama. Yeah. But the uh, poll of the week has still been on the site since before Gen Con, the one that Jason and Nick both were unsure about. About a, a live show, and uh, actually, I don't have the web page up right now, but I believe everybody was in a high admittance of wanting to listen to the show. So, um, unfortunately, That's scary. yeah. <laughs> so, unfortunately, Jason, you're gonna have to sit there and be tortured while people listen to you and comment on every little word and hang on your every word, one time at least. <laughs> so maybe we'll do that sometime around. Halloween when we reach our one year mark around there on the air. Cool. That'd be cool. Cool, cool. Well, your guys' anniversary is at Halloween too? Cool, we should have a party. Woo! <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so our closing thoughts for today. Anybody have any closing thoughts? Words of wisdom for people out there? Nick? Beware of traps. That's all I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. Jason, you wanted to mention that Jack Vance had a new book coming out. I remember you said. Oh, right. Ah, gee, I had the notes here. Matt just pulled them up for us a minute ago. Jack Vance. I was really excited to find this email in my box right before leaving for Gen Con. The Jack Vance, who I'm not sure how old he is. He, he's, I know he's in his 90s, but I'm uh, really happy to see that he has actually written and released a new book. So it's called Hard Luck Diggings, and it's uh, Further Adventures of Kugel as I recall. I don't know if that's the exact title, but it's Kugel. He's back. And uh, as soon as I've had a chance to get a copy and, and devour it, we will talk about it on the show. Cool. Okay. And Julie, what do you, you want to give a plug to your site and tell us a little oh, bit about... Oh, definitely. Come listen to 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Uh, audio dramas are a great way to deal with your commute, and it's a lot of fun. The show ranges from horror to fantasy. We just had an episode called Dragon. I mean, a couple things are high fantasy. Other things are 
low fantasy, horror, sci-fi, whatever I felt like writing that week. And uh, there's a lot of audio drama out there you can find through links from my show. Cool. Yeah. You can that go to awesome. uh, Voice Actors Alliance, Voice Actors Guild, and Audio Drama, and there's tons and tons and tons. You can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tons and tons. There's just so many. AudioDramaTalk.com, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would you say you had a plethora of dramas? Yes. <laughs> you don't even know what a plethora is, do you? <laughs> no. That's going to sign us out for this week. Uh, join us next week as we uh, do something really cool. Keep it original and keep it old school. Have a good night, everybody. Hey, everyone. Bye, everybody. Night. Thank you. Roll for initiative.